Uh, hello guys, welcome to Startups with Sid. I'm your host, Sid Artsud, and here I'm sitting with the founders of Voodoo Robotics, Trevor and Aaron. Please introduce yourselves. So, uh, my name is Trevor Blumenau, I'm CEO of Voodoo Robotics, and um, Voodoo Robotics is about um, uh, technology for warehouses and manufacturing. And our goal is to bring new and modern technologies to very staid and old uh, supply chain uh, uh, that are our customers. So we, uh, we use uh, modern technologies, we uh, form them into products and, uh, and sell them into warehouses and uh, manufacturing facilities. Go ahead, Aaron. So I'm Aaron Eubank, I'm the Vice President of uh, Voodoo Robotics, and uh, I tag along with Trevor to uh, help run the uh, company. Aaron is my, my lieutenant in command, my right-hand right man. That's right. <laughs> no, Aaron, uh, so I, I'm, you know, it's, uh, it's um, you know, we have quite a few people that are part of Voodoo Robotics in different capacities. Uh, the main two are Aaron and I, and... Uh, I'm mostly focused on technology and uh, the invention side of things and building and manufacturing our products. And Aaron is more focused on uh, the marketing and delivering of those uh, uh, systems to customers. So that's sort of how we, how we divide our roles. Uh, you know, Voodoo Robotics is still a very young company. Uh, I think we have a very, very strong product, uh, which uh, seems like it's, you know, really taking off and so uh, you know we probably will grow you know pretty quickly in the next next year next two years so uh, but we're uh, we're forming a good base right now all right um, so take us to the beginning like where was the industry before you guys entered the market what gave you the idea okay. that kind of thing yeah so you know we actually um, we uh, um, we started as, as a spin-out, actually, of another company uh, called, um, uh, run by Carlos Hofkin, uh, called, uh, can't think of the name right now. Mm. I'll think of it in a sec, Macrolever. And um, what happened, Carlos, Carlos uh, you know, was running Macrolever for quite a while, and, and he was building custom machinery for manufacturing. And so what that business entails is that essentially like, you know, there's some company that has, let's say they're building widgets and they need a machine that can move the widget from this position to that position, or they need to surround the widget with some sort of coding. You know, everybody that's in manufacturing has a certain process that they do. And some of those processes, uh, you know, can be automated with machinery, but that machinery very often is a very specific custom machine for that particular product that particular manufacturing line. And so uh, his business, uh, Macrolever, is about building those machines that are custom one-off types of machines, very expensive kinds of things. And so we partnered together, uh, hoping to build a, uh, uh, you know, a product that was more than just a one-off, that, that we could sell to multiple companies. And so we built um, a automatic storage and retrieval system, which you actually see uh, down in our building lobby today. And uh, that system is for uh, you know, moving things around a warehouse, uh, keeping track of inventory, uh, bringing 
uh, inventory to a picker, essentially. Uh, so that that was sort of our, our first uh, uh, um, incarnation of the of the company, and that that that's the point at which we spun out of Macrolever when we we built the automatic storage machine. And at that point, you know, um, I started to really see what was going on in the industry, and that you know a lot of the um, uh, companies in the supply chain are very focused on return on investment and they're very focused on non-disruptive technologies. Now taking an automatic storage and retrieval system and putting it in the middle of a you know a you know well-oiled machine so to speak <laughs> of a supply chain not very, very very easy to do both on an ROI perspective and also on uh, you know digestibility so I really started thinking very, very carefully about this issue of, you know, building a product that can really optimize the supply chain, but at the same time do it where it's almost free. So the return on invest, return on investment analysis is a no-brainer, and deliver it, you know, at a you know ridiculously low price, but provide tremendous functionality that really will turbocharge the warehouse and 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 really. Uh, um, you know, uh, give a company essentially no excuse not to deploy this kind of technology. And so we came up with uh, this, uh, this device, which I'm holding here in my hand, uh, which we call a cloud display device. And this thing is very, very economical. It's $5 a month. We, we lease them, hardware as a service. You, you can buy them as well if you want. Um, but essentially the idea behind this is that it ser serves in some ways the same role uh, as the automatic storage and retrieval system, but at a much lower price and much more digestible. And why I say that because this device essentially speeds up the picking process. Again, in the warehouse, the chief cost, if you're running a warehouse, is finding things. The labor that it takes to find things and put orders together is what you're really paying for in a warehouse. So these things help pickers find items in a warehouse. The way that they do that is that this is a you know, two-line display, and you can light up this display from anywhere in the world using simply a URL at any time. So a picker, for example, let's say he's, you know, gets an order, and that order contains five items that he needs to find in the warehouse that he needs to pick. He can uh, maybe use a scan gun to scan that order ID, and uh, that will fire off five different URLs for all the devices that he needs to go by and pick up items at. Plays a little tune, it can address him by name, tell him exactly what the product name is. So in that way, a worker can find the inventory that he's looking for very easily. You can also do it and use this device in other ways in a warehouse. For example, some pickers, if they're smart, will use a cart with multiple orders on the cart make one sweep through a warehouse while they're filling 10 orders. So they might have 10 different buckets on the cart and you can use these devices then to identify the 10 buckets. When you get to each location, you can scan that location and cause these lights to light up and say, okay, this order needs three of those items, this order needs five of those items, etc." So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's doing sort of a similar type of thing to the uh, automatic storage and retrieval system, but at a far lower, more digestible price, uh, you know, for, for, the, uh, for the, uh, the target, for our target customer. And of course, by just using a URL, you can integrate with anything. So like the, there's no 
real penalty for you know if they want to tie these systems to their uh, you know warehouse management system or something like that it's very very easy for them to do because it's just a URL call gotcha so um, uh, it's a very innovative device and it would have taken up a lot of money in R&D and a lot of early tech startups uh, sometimes they don't realize how long R&D actually takes so can you uh, Aaron can you go over some of the things you guys did in the beginning to um, raise money for R&D and hire interns and develop it in that sort of way? Uh, I can definitely take a stab at it, but it, this would all uh, be uh, on Trevor's side of things. So, uh, you know, as Trevor mentioned before, he's the engineer, he's the designer and everything. We, we joke around a little bit about, uh, for, for those that are old enough to remember a show called Pinky and the Brain, Trevor's the brain, I'm pinky, okay? So I come to Trevor every day and, and ask him that. But uh, uh, regarding funding, I'll, I'll leave that over to Trevor and stuff. Uh, but uh, Trevor has at least taught me and shown me how he, he does things, whether whether it's case design using 3D printers, using today's current technology uh, to be able to speed that process up, um, whether it's using uh, different types of software applications that... Uh, allows Trevor to design things, but really all the R&D and everything is, is really on, on Trevor's side. So Trevor, I'll let you speak to how you came to I think that our secret sauce as a company is that... Trevor's brain, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> <My> brain. <laughs> right. Trevor. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that um, you know, we've been really able to, um, uh, you know, be sort of one step above a makerspace. I mean, you know, if you go in our lab over here, it looks like a lot like a makerspace in that... 3D printers and we got you know uh, soldering equipment and we've got oscilloscopes and things like that and and um, you know we really have taken advantage of the empowerment of all of these tools that you now find that are available to the average user uh, to really build a real product um, and you know taking it a step I guess above a hobby you know and so really you know, you look at this device, it's got a plastic exterior, as Aaron said, you know, we designed this thing, uh, you know, in SolidWorks and, and, you know, I taught myself SolidWorks, got down and, you know, hammered the thing out. I, I don't know if I did such a great job. I think the next version of this will be a lot better in terms of the, uh, the look and feel and the uh, aesthetic of the plastics. But then, you know, you go beyond the plastics and you look inside, um, just opening it here. Uh, you can see that there's a circuit board in there. Well, you know, my background is in electrical engineering, and so I know a thing or two about circuitry. And so, uh, you know, I designed the schematics uh, for for this uh, board. And then, uh, you know, um, then I did the layout of the board. The board actually, both, both the plastics and the, and the PCB board are actually made in China. They send them to us here as components, then we assemble uh, the PCB boards with all the components on the PCB boards here in Plano and put them inside the plastic cases here in our office. Um, you know, the, this board is a pretty complex board. It's got a, uh, you know, a built-in uh, um, 2.4 gigahertz antenna that's built into the board. That, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff in here where, you know, you would typically hire, you know, a designer that would design a schematic, a designer that would design a case, a designer that would do the layout, a designer that would write the firmware for the chip that we're running on here. But you guys did it yourself. But we did it all ourselves. And so, you know, you ask about funding for R&D and, you know, it's my time, really, more than anything. So, um, 
But that, that, what that means also is that we're minimizing uh, the cycle time as well, because you know, in a typical company where you've got all these people wearing multiple hats, you know, let's say you've got you know some guy that's in charge of the plastics and another guy in charge of the PCB, and those guys have to communicate with each other, and that overhead of communication uh, in an R and D team is a killer. I mean, really, uh, you know, if you they, they say that you know. Uh, one really good engineer is worth 10 okay engineers. And the, the reason is because it requires far less communication of ideas. You know, if, you, if you're wearing more hats, you don't have to you know, uh, write an engineering change order. You know? <laughs> I, I, I think about, oh, gee, I'd rather do it that way, and then boom, 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 I know exactly it. where yeah. it is. You know? so, um, now, of course, that, that's not necessarily going to last in this company. Mm -hmm. As we grow... I would expect we'll have you know too many products for me to keep in my head at one time, and you know we we've got you know really good documentation and, and source control systems and things like that, which you know will will come into play in the future. But I think that in terms of um, being lean and mean, in terms of a startup, uh, you know get in there, learn the tools yourself. I mean that that really is my uh, my best advice. You know one of the things too is because it's a a lean operation when Trevor designs all the stuff he'll he'll show me a few things and then I'll I'll ask questions as if I'm the consumer trying to think of different things and it allows him to make some adjustments or not make those adjustments and and continue to uh, to speed the process up so that also saves on the uh, I mean, at I least his that, time because that's more valuable than anything that, so. that, that really that Aaron points to a very very important part of this and that is listening to your consumers I mean I think that mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we are very, very much in touch with uh, our target market and listening to their feedback, particularly like, you know, as I said, we're coming out with a new version of this, uh, incorporating all of that feedback that we've gotten from the first revision of the product into a much stronger product, I think. I think that that's a huge, huge, uh, uh, very, very important part of the, of the uh, design process. And in some ways... Aaron and his feedback represent the consumer, and no. he spends a lot of time talking to customers on the phone, uh, you know, dealing with their objections to the existing product, and so he comes to me immediately and says, oh, well, if it could do this, that would be great, you know, because he really knows what the hell is going on out there with the customer. That's very, very important. And that, that, that allows that communication to be communicated in, immediately, right, versus... Right listening to your sales team that talk about why sales aren't going and they're not talking to the engineer guys who are just creating things and, and different stuff like that. So I mean, a real advantage, and the advantage of any startup is the size. Let's take full advantage. I mean, we, we are very small and that gives us power. We it can change. Speed. We, can, we can speed to market. I mean, if, I, if I've got a comp competitor around the corner, uh, they're going to have a really hard time you know, um, trying to figure out like which way is up, and getting a getting a team together that can coordinate and communicate effectively to build a product like this, it would take them a hell of a lot longer than I think it would me. And it costs a lot more money. And it costs a lot more money for which those allows guys. allows. And us they've to got all sorts of other issues longer. where they've got customers that are using you know legacy product that they've got to maintain compatibility with, and they've got to you know decide: Am I going to be compatible with this system? Right. Or am I not going to be compatible? They've got all sorts of headaches that they're dealing with. As a startup, you don't have those headaches. Take advantage, man. Run, you know. And um, another thing with a lot of tech startups nowadays, um, you see them 
trying to rush their way into market and like they're raising insane amounts of money but not necessarily providing value sometimes you have like scandals like you had with Theranos you have inflated valuations like you do with WeWork that's the other part of startup the startup world which you know I can't really agree with and that that is that we we, if you're in the startup culture and in the startup environment and you're you're hanging out with all the startup people it's all about venture capital and it's about right. raising the next round and all that stuff and you know what i can spend my life going around and talking to all these venture capitalist people and talking about you know uh, what i plan for my market and what my plan for my product is and all that kind of stuff but just think about the consequence of that i wouldn't be listening to guys like aaron and exactly. i wouldn't be able to be talking to the market talking to the people that are actually using the product. And I wouldn't be able to do all the design work that I do. So, you know, there's a real trade-off there. And, and the unfortunate thing is that it's like a, it's a train that once you get on, you can't get off. Because if you raise that first round, then your whole life is about raising the next round, you know? And you, you have no time for anything. And now you've got a, a board of directors you've got to report to. And, you know, it's a, it's a, a whole different world as soon as you go through that first round. So, you know, my advice is try not to do a round, you know, if you <laughs> use your savings. Right. Or, or really what, what we're doing, sell to your customer and let your customer fund your company. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, guys. This right. is basic blocking and tackling, you know. You make a product, you sell it, you make two more, sell those, you know, like build up from your bootstraps. That's the way to build a real company. Uh, you know, that a lot of the startup stuff is, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that they're, there are great companies, and I think that there are great uses for capital. And I, I'm not saying that we wouldn't one day you know, go that route of venture capital. I think that growing a market can be very difficult, and sometimes it takes a lot of capital to, to grow a market. But uh, hell, if you, if you can get away with it and not have to raise money, I mean, the, the, real, the, the, the most valuable asset that I have in Voodoo Robotics is my, my capital stock. And I ain't parting with that, you know, unless, you know, I really, really have to, you know. Right. And um, for our final question here, uh, we want to go over some of the challenges you guys faced in running the company and just being a new startup and how you overcame those. Um, well, I'm pointing to Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aaron can answer this question. I think that the thing, the thing is about, um, you know, finding customers. I mean, I, I think that we, it, it's a real challenge, you know, uh, to, to find customers, to sell, sell them your idea. I mean, in some ways, we, we are creating a revolution. We've got a product that's different from everybody else's. Uh, you, know, we, you know, we call this device a, a cloud display device. It's sort of in a class in the industry. You could think of it as a Pictolite device. And there are other companies that sell Pictolite systems. But those legacy companies are selling, you know, ancient technology, works in a very different way. Customers have a very different expectation of how Pictolite should work. So coming into the market and sort of educating people about this new technology, uh, this new way of doing things has been a great challenge for us. And I think we've had to sort of figure out, you know, how to market uh, you know this this technology. How much to to how much time and effort and money to spend on push marketing versus pull marketing? I think that we've discovered, particularly in the supply chain. I mean, it's very difficult to push uh, sales into the supply chain market. Pull works way better because 
companies never really want to change this, the way they're doing supply chain. I mean, companies, they fine-tune their supply chain and, you know, God help them if they tweak any knobs or anything. And they, I mean, if they stop that supply chain, you can bring a company into bankruptcy in, in minutes, days. I don't know. You know, I mean, some companies, you really, if they, if they miss their shipping deadlines, they'll be broke and, you know, in a day it can happen. So, um, you know, it's, it's a real challenge to sell into a market that is so uh, finely tuned and honed like that. So the way that we found is that, you know, by uh, getting people to call us at the time when they need the technology is really our focus. So really what we're doing is we're doing, uh, you know, pull marketing rather than push marketing. And I, I think that that's been a real challenge for us to sort of get our mind around how the ratio of that, you know, and, and how much more we need to spend and how much more effort we need to spend on pool marketing. You know, and, and just to add on top of that, exactly what Trevor's saying with, you know, when you're creating a revolution and you're, you're creating a new product, you know, you have to go through the education process. But even when a startup company trying to learn, you know, marketing, you've got all these different guys that will contact startups to say, hey, I've got a list of these people I can sell to. I can do this. Well, you have to know who your target audience is. You have to know the the issues that you go through when you have a new product that it necessarily doesn't require that. And so trying to understand where to, you know, spend that marketing, your, your marketing dollars uh, and stuff uh, has, and, and that's what we've learned over the years. We've, we've tried a few different things and from those little test runs, we've learned that going to a trade show, having 40,000 people walk in front of us works great because you're, you're having to educate the masses and then, uh, you know, on that pool marketing where they are going on Google and searching a couple things and being able to pull them from that direction is a lot better than someone selling me a list that I can get just about anywhere for free um, to send them an email that's going to go to spam and, you know, that's old school is what we call push marketing. And so um, le learning those as well as um, from the sales side too, going through different sales processes and learning how to change and adjust your pitch and finding out how di how the objectives are and then using that as a way to market and, and attract more people. Well guys, uh, thanks for being here. It was a pleasure talking to you and to our viewers, um, thanks for tuning in.